0: All right, this episode of Enough About Me, the 100th episode of Enough About Me. Can you believe it? And uh, I decided to bring my old producer back. He calls in Bed Kitchen, the first producer of the show. Um, We talk about some of the old stories, some of the tough guests. We had the book, The Fight to Get the Podcast On, the issues with the company while it was going on, the end that we had together, the fallout. Excellent. It was good. I haven't talked to Ben in forever. He was good today. I had a good time. And then Lisa L. Thompson. She's the Vice President of Policy and Research uh, at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, uh, comes on to talk about the letter. I'm sure you saw that the that she and a bunch of other people, um, uh, women's groups, sent to Goodell, basically saying the craft should be kicked out of the NFL for this. And it is a it is a an interesting conversation. This is a really good. I'm actually happy. This is the hundredth episode. This is a great um, example of why I love doing this podcast. Two totally I've been on and we just bullshit for ten or fifteen minutes about well, probably maybe a half hour about the old days. Uh, some more stories, which I enjoy. And then, uh, you know, a topical battle with Lisa Thompson about this craft thing. And, you know, and she goes all in and you would, I don't think you're getting this anywhere else. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but it's episode 100 of enough about me. I started in February of 2016 in the old EEI studios back at 20 guest street with David, with Portnoy, who was in town, um, in a little side booth. And here I am three years later in a, in a small booth. I've not made any progress, uh, I guess, um, but I, I, you know, it obviously some of my parents slowed it down for a while and I would get frustrated and all the shit that obviously happened the last six months. Uh, but I loved doing the podcast and I love doing this podcast. I'm getting a lot of great feedback. There are people who are frustrated who say, when are you going to do a radio show and when are you going to do, you know, your old bits, you're going to do that. And that'll all, that'll all be happening soon enough. But this was a, uh, a great hour with my uh, old producer, Bed Kitchen, and my new producer, Dave Colonnade, by the way, who booked Lisa Thompson, did a good job, and Mark Moroso who is kind of becoming part of the family here and sort of an early whack packer uh, as we're building that stable together as well. He's sufficiently uh, stupid enough, I think, in a good way to uh, maybe be part of the family as well. The 100th episode of Enough About Me, and this is one of the, my favorite ones I've done in a while. This is going to be, a, this is a good hour, and I, I dare you to find an hour as good anywhere else. Uh, Bed Kitchen, the producer, the original producer, co-creator really, in force began enough, and when my parents were sick, you know, Ben uh, took over, man. He booked. He made sure I was going to be, you know, I'd have to run off to Dana Farber. I'd have to run off to um, to Mass General. And he'd say, you know, no problem. You want to come back at 3 or 4 o'clock this afternoon? I'm doing my show, but I'll make sure somebody's doing it. Or yeah, I'll come in at 930. I know you got to go to Infusion today. Or you have a doctor's appointment. And he was unbelievable. And I'm sorry we had a fallout. I told him that at the end of the podcast because I really like Ben. And uh, I really appreciate everything he did for the podcast. He was a huge, huge force behind that. Um, and he's producing Mikey Adams podcast now. So, you know, out of respect and, and for Ben, make sure to give that a shot and download it and listen to it. I think it's called planet Mikey. Uh, it's on iTunes, I'm sure. Uh, and then Lisa Thompson. So, I mean, it is a, it is an hour that I, I really enjoyed this, this podcast today. Uh, I'm sure you can tell. Um, so listen to it. Episode 100 of enough about me. Okay, Lisa Thompson is the Vice President of Policy and Research at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Lisa, first of all, good morning. How are you?
2: I'm well, thank you. I hope sure. you are too.
0: I'm pretty good, thank you. So I'm looking, I, I read this yesterday, sparked my mm-hmm. interest. It was you and how many people are, are are listed on this? It's about four pages of my uh my here.
2: Yes, we have about uh, nearly 20 survivors and survivor-led organizations, individuals who've survived prostitution and forms of sexual exploitation, like sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And then we have another more than 60 uh, organizations that work in the anti-sexual exploitation, anti-trafficking space, um, who've also joined on board.
0: Okay, so this is a letter sent to Commissioner Goodell from that all the people you had mentioned, yourself, uh, asking that uh, uh, Robert Kraft banish Uh, The NFL banished Robert Kraft from team ownership because men who purchase sex, purchase others for sex, inflict uh, amounts of human suffering on those they exploit for sex. So it is your belief that Robert Kraft should not own the Patriots anymore, correct?
2: Yes, that's right. And I know that for some people that may sound harsh, but I think um, it's really important that this be, you know people understand the realities, the very serious harms of engaging in sex-buying behavior. Um, For way too long, it's been kind of um, just you know, a wink like, oh yeah, so-and-so bought sex, or uh, police have oftentimes focused on arresting the individuals who sell sex rather than the buyers. But people who buy sex actually perpetrate massive sexual harm on those that they buy, and they fuel the entire sex industry. Um, they're the reasons why we have strip clubs, massage parlors, online prostitution, women on the street corners, because uh, there are people who basically are sexual narcissists. They think that they their sexual needs and, and wants are more important than others they don't want to spend the time on building true relationships with people uh, and so they use money to coerce sex acts from people uh, who then they basically are exercising the right of of, uh, total control over because they expect for their sexual demands to be met by those individuals that they mean, uh, that they buy, excuse me. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, then, prostitution is inherently a form of sexual coercion. So let's, people who,
0: yeah, well, no, no, that's fine. But so let's just say, and, and there's no proof yet. Now it's been alleged and people have written it. Now it seems like it may not be the case. Let's just play this out and say that these women were not, uh, trafficked. They were not slaves, you know, quote unquote, however you want to call it. And this was a willing adult woman who engaged in a business deal with Robert Kraft for whatever hand gratification, let's just say, and the $80 was passed. Mm-hmm. Um, you think if that is done, and, and let's let's throw all the other stuff out for a second. This is just a woman and a man who, make a, who shake hands and make a pact for argument's sake. You think that the punishment for that should be that Robert Kraft should not be allowed to own an NFL team anymore? That to me seems extraordinarily harsh. Maybe i maybe I'm just maybe I'm blind to it.
2: Well, I think people are blind to what's going on in the sex trade and how it's experienced by the individuals who are in the sex trade. Mm -hmm. When a person buys another person for sex, they're actually buying a person who's their temporary sex slave because that individual is expected to do whatever the buyer wants. Well, see, now, but hold on, Lisa.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. And you you guys did a good job covering that in this thing. I would say there is... And you may disagree with this, almost a streak of anti-feminism when you say something like that. Because again, I'll say, let's say there's a, a 40-year-old woman who doesn't want to be a waitress, You know, born in America, raised, educated. She doesn't want to be a waitress anymore or something else. She wants to make more money as an adult who wants to have her own private business as a prostitute. And there are agreements, there are, there are limits, there are things that men can do and can't do with them. Who I feel like it's not your business to tell that woman what she can and can't do with her body
2: um I'm not really interested in, in in controlling what women do with their bodies well sure but but you just
0: said but but you just said, in, but, oh, but you just said hold on male but sex but, 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 when, but but when you said why do but,
2: men feel sexually entitled to buy other people well I don't I, I,
0: well I don't That's but I mean I'm but, glad. well I mean said. you know it's, it's not, not it's nothing it's not my mm-hmm. particular fetish but if a woman but my but so you don't understand my point though which is that like I listen of course I'm with you 10 million percent. If these women are, are that are sex trafficked and and we're talking about them living, they're talking about eating on floors and they're sleeping on cots and they can't speak English and they were brought in this country legally. Prosecute, do whatever you want. Strongest extent of the law. Couldn't agree with you more. It's disgusting. It's abhorrent. I have no use for it. The people who run these businesses are scumbags 1000%. But what about what about the woman who just wants to do this because it's a better way to make a living and she's comfortable doing it? Who are you to tell that woman that she shouldn't uh, use her body that way?
2: But who are the men to think that they no, have no, rights no, to
0: buy women in the first place? Well, if the I mean, but, but no, but but but, but, then I, but what if the woman is okay with it? Like let's say, you know, but so you're not you I guess you just want to answer the question. What if the the woman who's an adult like, you know, you don't. I'm I'm guessing that you're that you're pro-choice, correct? Um,
2: I'm not going to talk about okay. My views on Okay.
0: I'm, I'm going to guess that you're pro-choice. I'm just going to make a wild stab in the dark. So let's pardon the pun, I guess. But let's just say that you're that you're pro-choice, right? You know, so there you don't want the woman's body controlled. You want the woman to make her own decisions. So again, an adult woman, if she wants to use her hand to manipulate a guy or her mouth, who the hell am I to say no to that?
2: Well, first of all, we're taking we're taking a sex act and we're making it into a public act of commerce. So there is a, a real interest in society in what becomes commerce. And my mm-hmm. argument would be that whether a person is willingly ga- engaging in turning their body into a public sexual commodity right. uh, is something that the society has an interest in. Um, and in, so far in our society, we recognize that as, as uh, humans, uh, that that is not a desirable Um, state of being for individuals, whether they choose it or not, and whether or not a person is harmed for engaging in activity isn't really dependent upon whether a person chooses to engage in it or not. So I would say that there are harms resulting from engaging in that behavior, whether or not, irrespective of the degree of agency involved in making that choice.
0: Okay. I mean, I just think there's a natural hypocrisy there, but we agree to disagree. So you say the, uh, you're uh, making
2: a hypocrisy because you're assuming that I'm. Uh, you're assuming a particular stance on uh, no, abortion. No, 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 this has nothing to not do. No, 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 no,
0: no, no, no. This has nothing to do with abortion. It is that you know you want women to be you know uh, in control of of what they. But but there are certain women you say you know what you shouldn't be allowed to do this with your body. We're gonna. We don't think you should be allowed to do this. I think there's hypocrisy there. We agree. Why to disagree. are
2: men allowed to buy women and turn them into public sexual commodities? Well I, mean, well, well, I mean, well, I'm happy
0: to discuss it. I don't think they are. I mean, they're. I mean, legally, they're, they're not. Well, legally, they're not. Correct. I mean, le- I mean, legally, I could Every not. a
2: man who purchases sex from a woman is turning her into public sexual commodity. But he's, but, he's sexually but, entitled to do No, no, so. no, But
0: you said but you but you said is why is a man allowed to do it? I mean, technically, I am not legally allowed to do that. Like the law doesn't allow me to do it. I think the better argument is why is it not legislated stronger? I think is what you're asking. Correct.
2: Well, it would be nice if it was, I definitely would support it being legislated stronger, but I do think there's an underlying cultural norm, which accepts male sexifying behavior as normative, which just basically wink, gives it a wink and a nod and laughs at it. But here we've got an example of a really glaring power disparity between a man who is worth billions of dollars, uh, who has immense power and influence, has, you know, basically limitless uh, resources at his disposal, buying women who are on the margins of society. In this particular case, women who were from a foreign country, more than likely to have very poor English skills, were probably paying off a debt. Um, they were uh, isolated. They were kept on the property 24-7. Like, uh, well, know, we don't know it I mean, we, staggering. It,
0: we don't know that. We read the reports. I, re- yeah, I, I, I don't think the I,
2: law enforcement I, officers are going to be wasting their time on a case like this if they don't have substantial evidence to,
0: to support their case you're right you right uh when i say you i just mean the statement itself i'm, I'm going to uh, include you in it the uh, prostitution marketplace encompasses any of the various modes by which prostitution is marketed strip clubs massage parlors quote escort services internet-based prostitution websites brothels as well as pimp facilitated street level prostitution and pornography so i guess my question is do you look at somebody who goes to a strip club in the same way that you you look at somebody who uses uh goes to a prostitute
2: uh, yes I do I so mean, you, so record. you think so you think strippers think are so you think strippers
0: are prostitutes
2: I think that women who are in strip clubs are being sexually objectified well, but, they're but, being but, turned into but a what if they don't but lisa what if, what if that woman doesn't
0: what if that woman doesn't mind that what if that woman doesn't you know why don't you care about that woman who doesn't who doesn't mind it who, who happens to maybe I very like
2: much care about the women who are involved in the sex no 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 you're not I but, dedicated my life
0: but what about the woman who works there who is making a nice living secretary. who doesn't mind the job who might actually like the job what about her
2: you know, it's interesting you raise that. Um, a lot of times, women who get into the sex trade—if you look at the pathways into individuals' involvement in prostitution—a uh, lot of times they're coming from uh, positions of economic desperation, sure. which is driving many people into performing in strip clubs or
0: learning. Well, um, you wrote about learning disabilities too, which I thought was actually pretty interesting. I hadn't made that connection. I looked it up, and it's obviously—you, you, I mean—that—that that I thought was an interesting thing as well
2: you often, oftentimes also have histories of childhood sexual abuse. Sure. So really there's a sense in which a lot of women who get involved in the sex trade are reenacting the very types of abuse and harm that they've already experienced sure. as children. And oftentimes, I, I don't know how many survivors I've met who over time you know, have said, well, you know, I was being abused by my dad or my stepdad or my brother or whomever. And it's just like that, that. Finally, it occurred to me, well, maybe I should just get paid for what's already been happening to me.
0: Oh, I have no so doubt. I have, so have no doubt that happens.
2: Of most individuals who become ensnared within the commercial sex trade. It is not some, a path, a power, a, a highway to empowerment. It's actually the raw manifestation of just the opposite of the extreme. Um, sexualization abuse and vulnerability of women who are then being uh basically consumed by the men who buy them and profited off of by the individuals who run these sexually oriented businesses
0: so i I guess my question would be then just from the the the, you want craft to be banished from the nfl and if you think it's the same thing if a player goes into a strip club or an owner goes into a strip club by your definition that person should also be banished from the nfl correct
2: well, I think the NFL, by their own um, personal conduct policy, states that they hold owners to a, a higher, higher standard, standard. Okay, so let's players. So, so let's say I think in Mr. Kraft's case, given the nature of the establishment he was involved in, the kind, the sexual servitude of the women mm-hmm. uh, that he was purchasing. I mean, if you're in a state of sex trafficking, you're buying women who don't have any meaningful right to refuse consent, and that when whether you recognize it or not, they are experiencing your sexual engagement with them as rape. So for them, it's an experience of sexual rape. So, so I think the circumstances of his who he was buying um, aggravates the circumstances to such an extent that he should be uh, banished.
0: So you think Robert Kraft is a rapist? Yeah. Okay. So I guess my question would be to that, um, what if, and there's been, by the way, there's been no actual proof yet that this is a sex trafficking ring. Let's say that it's, we find out that it's not, and he just went to the massage parlor Made a business transaction with a woman, got a, a hand job, let's say, okay, and left. Do you think at that point, if there's no sex trafficking proved, uh, do you think at that point he should lose ownership?
2: I think he at least should have uh, some severe uh... penalties it should there should be a substantial fine and in fact we actually said in our letter that we you know we expect that the nfl will follow through their third procedure that they'll undertake an investigation um, that given the nature of the allegations involved and um... that you know whatever evidence that the nfl collects that at a minimum uh, we think there should be a six-game suspension. But assuming that the law enforcement case, uh, ha, you know, stands on its merits and that he, you know, does say that he's guilty, then I think banishment is definitely in order.
0: How about this? Let's just say it happened in Nevada, where it's legal. Does that change your thought process
2: at all? No. It's interesting you raised that. Um, our organization, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, has actually placed the state of Nevada on our dirty dozen list, which is a list that names mainstream contributors to the normalization of sexual exploitation. And we've named Nevada to that list because of the very detrimental impacts that legalization of the sex trade has had uh, on, uh, on really on the entire country by creating like this Mecca or this basically a place that exhibits extreme market forces, basically sucking in women and girls into a gigantic sex uh, trade that definitely is uh, individual there's not enough individuals to meet the demand and you have a lot of trafficking you have a lot of exploitation of people in the sex trade there so uh, to me whether it's legal or not doesn't change the, the underlying realities of what's happening.
0: I guess I'll, I I would just ask this and I, and I appreciate you coming on and and, and battling here and, and I think you know I think you are at the end of the day fighting for w- what is good and I do think all the examples you give whether it's you know these women in poor economic states or these women who are sexually abused, these women with learning disabilities or these women who have been in terrible marriages, that's where they wind up. I guess my question would be, and I just return to it, do you think it's possible, and maybe you don't, that there's just a woman who is you know, balanced and was raised okay, who looks at this and says, it's a better financial life for me to be a stripper than to be a waitress or to work at Barnes and Noble, and she does it and she goes home and she's comfortable and happy with her life. Do you think that's possible?
2: I definitely think that there are women who, um, who are you know, adults who have a more degree of agency than others. I mean, it's important to recognize that those who get involved in the sex trade, that it, their degree of agency exists on the continuum, and that the women who have the most agency in, in their involvement uh, typically have more privilege, more opportunity than other people. But if you look around the world, the vast majority of people involved in the sex trade um, are actually uh, not these empowered individuals. And boy, am I sorry about the noise right now.
0: That's okay. That's okay.
2: <laughs> nothing I can do about That's
0: it. okay. Um, <laughs> um, no, it doesn't sound bad. Go ahead.
2: Any, at any rate, um, I've kind of lost my train of thought of what we were just Well, saying. no, I, no, <laughs> I think you, women, I, I mean, yeah, they represent a very small minority of the overall individuals who com- comprise or who are used it by the sex trade. And even if they choose something, uh, like that. I'm, I'm That is not um, exclusive to them being harmed. So whether or not, it, like for instance, like take for instance, when the whole Me Too movement started mm-hmm. happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you had a lot of people who suddenly like thought back on previous experiences that they had had as, I don't know, say young people in college or women in the workplace. And they're like, wow, I never really thought of that experience or that encounter I had with XYZ individual as sexual harassment or sexual assault. But now, stepping back, I can see that. And I think that this actually happens to many individuals who exit the sex trade, that while they're in it, a lot of times the way that they're actually coping with the demands of what's being demanded of them while they're in the trade is they dissociate. Uh, You can read the research literature on this. It talks about how they disassociate and take their -hmm. their kind of minds out of their bodies in order to be able to just stand the fact of all these men ogling them, harassing them, pinching them, doing all Mm -hmm. these things to them when they're in the clubs. Uh, It's it's very um, psychologically demanding on them to be able to do this, to withstand it. Um, and then and initially there might be a sense of um, empowerment and esteem because, oh, um, these men are wanting me or I'm um, undesirable or I'm sexy. But as you look at, as they continue with involvement in, say, stripping, um, a lot of them in turn, uh, end up turning to um, substances to help them with the dissociative process that they typically go in to be able to perform and they can't sustain it. So then they turn to um, substances. Um, alcohol or, in some cases, drugs in order to continue in the trade. And so I think irrespective of whether or not a person chooses it doesn't mean that it can't also be harmful.
0: Let me ask you, so, I mean, you said you thought Robert Kraft was guilty of rape. I I don't agree with that, but I would say, do you? I mean, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. Is Robert Kraft going into a massage parlor and a woman using her hand or whatever on him the same in your mind as a woman walking down the street, a guy grabbing her, her down, you know, beating her, enforcing himself inside her in the traditional.
2: Well, that's. It. I'm really glad you asked that question. That's a neat question. Um, I think what the difference is is like when the when a person attacks a person, you know, a man attacks a woman on the street, he's perpetrating the violence himself. But when you have establishments like the Asian Orchids or whatever the yes, is yep, Orchids it of Asia, law, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. um, what is happening is other individuals are taking care of. The violence, intimidation, so that Robert Kraft doesn't have to. They they take care of finding vulnerable women. They are the ones who uh, make sure the women uh, women comply, so that he doesn't have to jump out of a bush to get a, a woman. But I mean, yeah, but
0: the, but, but I mean, but the but you're right. It's it's a little more nuanced, I suppose. But the clear answer to my question is no, right? I mean, it's not the same as pinning a woman down and i mean it's it's just i mean it's just i'm not saying
2: yeah the the difference is he's contracting it out
0: but but also i would also say and this is not a defense for a a billionaire but i i believe in in, i believe that robert Kraft, when he walked in there did not walk in there and thinking these women are slaves i think he walked in there and said i'm going to get sexual gratification i mean whether that's i'm not even sure that's defense but i do think that was his thought process
2: well i'm sure that's his process, but it doesn't mean that the women who were there uh, agreed that he didn't if basically it, contract out to somebody else, correct? The, the, tr- the trouble of having it be convenient for him if, to in have fact, somebody give right. him a hand job or, or you know, to regulate right. him orally or whatever, right?
0: Agreed if, if it was, in fact, sex trafficking, that's no excuse. I guess my point is. That, I I mean, I don't know. You know, I hate to use the term traditional rape, but when you when I was a kid and growing up, and, you, you know, you, we didn't think of stuff like this. When you thought of rape, you thought of a movie like The Accused or something, you know, where it was brutal and physical and ugly and bloody, and now things, you know, things are changing. I do think in a weird way, you know, this opened a lot of people's eyes to, Jesus, this is going on, on a lot. In a weird way, this craft arrest is going to be a good thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is really shining the light on where the light needs to be shined, and that is on the men who buy sex. Um, they, these are men who are sexual narcissists who, thinks that, who think that they are entitled to be get what they want sexually whenever they want it, as long as they got a few bucks in their pocket. And it's their behavior which uh, fuels vast amounts of sexual harm to um, individuals who uh, are, but for various reasons, involved in the sex trade or the people who are trafficked into it. And if it weren't for them, there wouldn't be sex trafficking
0: in the story but you want i i mean you are not naive i don't think you seem like a smart person you know the sex business is never ever 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 going away right
2: oh i i it's as
0: old never. as it's as old as time i mean you know i mean look guys are wired the way they're wired i mean we know all you know most registered sexual offenders 99 percent, whatever are men the pornography industry is all geared toward men prostitution all geared toward men like there's something. You know,
2: look, I have a vision of a world free from sexual exploitation. It may not happen in my lifetime, but well, oh, it's, not, a, it's um, not. It's. I'm not going to give up on it. But, you know why? Why would you could have made the same argument about say the transatlantic slave trade. You know, people thought, oh, there's always been. Well, slavery, but, mean, been but I forever. mean, but I mean, but I mean, you know,
0: I mean, do you think? Um, are you do you continue. are you comparing a stripper to an actual slave? No, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just I'm and it's just also, by the way, an
2: institute, a systematic form of exploitation that people never thought would be ended. Uh, and, and I'm using that as an analogy okay, for yes. how I view the sex trade.
0: Reasonable. But I would say also, like, I mean, you're not again. I mean, we know this is I mean, the pornog, you would know better than me. I'm sure doing your research, the pornography industry is is brings in how much a year to probably what 10 billion dollars.
2: I couldn't. Right. But I mean, accurately. it's I astrono-
0: I mean, astronomical, that. right? I mean, it's yeah. just, it's mm-hmm. just it, I, I, it seems, I don't know, it seems difficult then. So, what, what is the, uh, uh, first of all, I appreciate you coming on. Let me wrap up with this. What is your, so let's say Goodell just essentially ignores this letter, right? Just says whatever and throws it in. The, what's, is there a next step? Do you guys plan on pressuring advertisers or what is the move here?
2: Well, I don't know. Uh, we haven't uh, figured out what would be our next step in terms of, say, the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think, as a movement, that we are very much focusing our attention on um, the dem- what we call the demand—the mm-hmm. men who buy buy other human beings for sex. Uh, we see them as a linchpin on which uh, vast amounts of sexual exploitation and um, harm. Uh, all spins that they're the fulcrum on which it's all happening and that we want to uh, use in all kinds of ways work to make it no longer a social norm where men can can buy sex and people just think it's funny or a joke or men think they're just entitled to do that
0: okay lisa thompson vice president of policy and research at the national center on sexual exploitation you can follow her at lisa what is it at lisa look at the twitter uh, account here
2: Oh, Twitter. Are you on it or no? Uh, Is it even worth yeah, it? Okay, good. I don't get on it very To be honest, I'm not on it a lot. I'm, I'm not uh, the most social media savvy person okay. on our team. <laughs> all right, well, good enough. So,
0: Lisa, I appreciate you coming on and uh, answering all the questions. I do appreciate that. Thanks Thank so much. You.
2: you. have a great day. You too. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye.
0: When was the last time we spoke, uh, producer of the original Enough About Me, Kirk Minahan show, co-creator Bed Kitchen? What's the last time we actually spoke?
1: Uh, other than a quick text exchange about a year ago, we haven't spoke since I left well, the station.
0: Well, text exchange is not speaking. I mean, when was the last time we conversed conversationally as people do?
1: Uh, right before I left the station. Hey, so you just, you just, dis-
0: you just disappeared. You just went away. Yeah, it's the best way to do it. <laughs> it really
1: is. <laughs> really Yeah, is. once you, once you're just off into the ether and no one bothers you and no one talks to you about the stupid bullshit that's going on, it feels so much greater. You, you have this, just freedom
0: from it. Fantastic. Well, what, why did you, We'll get to the, the podcast and your role in it, which I talked about yesterday, which was enormous, uh, in, your, in your exit with me, our fallout. But why did you leave the station?
1: Uh, I didn't like really what was going on. I wasn't making enough money doing what I was doing. There was more money to be made outside of there than there was inside of there. And then the biggest thing, y- you knew I had talked to you about a year before I left that I wasn't very long for that place. Right. And once I found out a producer... For a morning show that had zero fucking ratings at a shitty station in our cluster was making a hundred grand as the producer. I was like, eh, fuck this.
0: <laughs> oh, is that what which year. show is that? Is that true? Yeah. What show was yeah. that? It's all over uh, now. We're all
1: the you know. Kim Kerrigan show, the, the Boston whatever on RKO, their morning show.
0: Oh, Dave Cullenine?
1: Yeah, I was told he was making a hundred grand. I didn't He's... hear it from him, but I was yeah. told from you know, the boss at the station at the time, and I was like, you know what? You're paying the rest of us at EEI, and we actually make money and get ratings for you, and you're paying us. Some of us are barely making more than fucking half. Most are making like a third of what this guy's making.
0: So, nah, I'm good. So the fallout, the fight that happened with me and Holly and you, that didn't play a role in it?
1: Not really. I was, I was frustrated with you that you know, your decision
0: affected my money. My decision oh. affected your money. What's that? What do you mean? I don't even remember. I'm sure you're right, but what do you, what do you mean?
1: Well, you no, know, you, you got mad. and You fired me from the show. Yeah, but you uh, knew... Oh, hold
0: on, hold on, hold on. You knew that was a Kirk Minahan firing. Like, I would have brought you back like a week later.
1: That, wasn't like yeah, a, that was, was like wasn't. a
0: real... That was like a real... You know, you dealt with me enough to know that wasn't real.
1: I guess I didn't at the time. I probably should have. I was just... You know, we were hot about the situation. We we're just... We're talking about what had happened. You text me saying, I'm all set. Like, uh, Okay.
0: Yeah, but you—you want to?
1: I guess I didn't think of it. At the like time. this guy's I a fuck Before you were doing the whole banning, like re, maybe it wasn't before you were doing the whole banning Reamer and stuff like that, and then bringing them back eventually. But I didn't—I don't think I realized it at the time.
0: That was good. That was a good radio segment, though. That day and it, whatever Jake and joe's that was entertaining. Well, that was part of my problem. Why I was mad about it i was like
1: this is a perfect opportunity to continue this on the podcast. Why aren't we taking advantage of it?
0: Yeah, Holly wasn't playful either, though. Like, you know, he, he, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, I
1: don't well, know. Well, there was there was some serious shit going on there. Serious feelings being hurt. Yes,
0: right? there's certainly... I saw Holly at the uh, Super Bowl this year um, in uh, uh, Atlanta, and I thought, I, you know how I am. Like, I just think, okay, well, we had our fight and whatever. He's a good guy. Like, I think he knows that I like... You know, I saw him, and he wanted... Fucking no part of me, none. Like, no hello, nothing. I was like, oh, shit, Jesus, this is real still. What the fuck?
1: Everyone's different, you know? You uh, you said some things about him that probably did not sit very well. Everyone's different. Everyone treats it differently. I'm kind of more along the lines of what you are in terms of, ah, eh, you say some shit, we'll get over it. It's perfectly fine after a while.
0: Although we. Had... everyone's like that. Not yeah.
1: everyone can deal with that. Not everyone wants to deal with that.
0: What is your, do you stay in contact with anybody at the station or no?
1: Uh, currently at the station, no. Yes.
0: Jeez. What was that? Oh, you talked to like Andy or whatever?
1: Yeah, I talked to Andy. I mean,
0: what happened to him? He's another guy who just left and like left, right?
1: Yeah, so did Patty. You know, True. Most people that leave kind of just leave. There's very few people that hang on to it. You know, I look at someone like Chach. He yeah, seems to hang on to it forever. Yeah, it becomes a disease. <laughs> it does. Yes. It just becomes like the that. only way to get rid of that disease is to try your best to forget about it. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing. It's that place. It's that culture. There for some reason, it preexisted me. It preexisted you. The place is just fucked up. It has this weird vibe about it where everyone just fucking hates each other. Uh,
0: yes, and I suppose I I contributed to that in some extent. You but, absolutely did. But you know, but having worked with me, I think you know. Uh, that, A, I, I, I care mo- what I care most about is doing good radio or a good podcast. Like, if the, for me, if the other stuff happens, it happens now. That that may be the reason why I went from hosting number one morning show maybe in America to doing a podcast in the Mix 104.1 producer booth. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, were you surprised at my downfall? Yes
1: and no. I wasn't surprised because the climate was heading in that direction where, it was too easy for you to be either scapegoated or just ran out of the situation where companies just don't want to deal with it. Was I surprised because you had the numbers to kind of back it up? Yeah, a little bit, because sometimes these companies go, well, fuck it, we're getting what we want out of it. We'll just kind of ride the wave. But considering what's going on in the country, not really that surprised.
0: So I, I'm trying to remember. So this is now about three. So this is the hundredth episode, by the way. Enough about me. And As I yeah, said, you're the. You, I'll so call awesome. you the. Congratulations. Congratulations to you as well, by the way. As a co-creator. Um uh, thank wh- you. What's that? I said thank you. No problem. Well, I don't, I'm trying to go. So it was like it was like the end of fifteen. We started in February sixteen. When I think I went to you, right? Or you went? I I, I shouldn't even say that. I don't remember the how it began. But I remember you were sort of in charge of podcasts at the stations, kind of tangentially and i was getting ready to do my thing i just done this new deal i want to do the podcast i i don't remember maybe you do maybe you don't how who reached out to who i mean we we're obviously we well, talked we talked before that obviously we were, we were friends but yeah I we, remember. we
1: talked fairly regularly um so i remember it as like eight months before i ended up doing the podcast with you i had went to the company and kind of pitched a podcast system There was oh, right the host yes host i remember this yeah, yeah, yeah. Add revenue to the company, and then. Nothing ever really happened with it. I was just kind of stuck with, hey, just produce up these podcasts, do whatever. Okay. Then I think Tim Murphy or maybe Kevin Graham came to me, and then you called me. You guys had already had the ball rolling. I wasn't involved with the first initial process. Okay. Of so after after that, because you, you had already booked um, Portnoy before right. I got involved.
0: Mm-hmm. That, that's That That's all you have to say on it? That's it? Well, like I said. Just fucking to just, just talk. Just to expand your thoughts, would you please? What's that? Just keep talking. My yes.
1: So you, you guys were already in the process. I was brought in after you guys had already started the ball rolling. Out. You had already booked Portnoy. You right. might have already even
0: recorded Portnoy. Oh, is that right? I See, I thought time. you were there. Oh, so I brought you in after that. Okay, okay.
1: You brought me in after you had recorded Portnoy, and then I had to sit down and edit it, and I had to go through the whole process of what can we say and what can't we say. Okay, edit it down so it's appropriate, and I didn't edit a fucking thing. I left everything in there just to say <laughs> right, not right, bad. Right, I remember that. Right. Okay. You know, now they, they right. were uh, initially like, oh, you, you know, we, we don't really like the important saying The word cunt. So what <laughs> it's a podcast, right? Most people will be fine with it.
0: Yes. Well, and I think that's obviously still a battle I have today, but I, I do think, you know, uh, what I, what I thought was interesting was first of all, you talk about pitching eight months ago, but I feel like throughout the, and we started out, our show started out number one on iTunes and always did really well. But I never felt while we, I was still at E.I. and while we were still doing it together, I don't think anybody in that building, other than me, you, maybe one or two other people, Tim Murphy, I would say for sure, I, I don't think anybody could really get their heads around what it was, like why it was important and not, not only what it was, but what it could be if they friggin' marketed it correctly.
1: Well, I mean, that's what you're going to deal with every single radio station. They're going to have pushback against this thing, and you're dealing with older people at these radio stations that don't understand the competition that's coming around. They didn't understand podcasting. They're so late to the game. When your neighbor at WGBH is producing huge podcasts, they're doing great numbers and bringing in revenue. They were just late to the game. They didn't get it. They didn't care either. The thing that drives me bananas is how long it took them to even get the thing sold.
0: That was crazy. I mean, you look at the, like, I, we would sit there, you and I, and, I mean, we're essentially just doing what we used to do we're on the phone or in the office bitching. I mean, you look at it, and the first one was number one because of porn, I right? understood. But it was always, and there were certain other ones that got in the top ten and were always up there. And you look at these other ones, and it was all national stuff. And you had one local radio show that clearly had a loyal fan base that they could, you know, and they didn't, they, I, you're right, I think they purposely didn't want to sell it. Because they were, it was almost in their minds thought it was competition. Which, if they really used their heads and say it's not, why don't we look big picture? But they weren't capable, or maybe just didn't want to do that.
1: Uh, they just they didn't see the possibility of true additional revenue for the company. So the salespeople weren't directed to even try and sell it for months. Oh, I know. How long right, did it take for right. Mountains to come on board? Oh, eight, forever. Eight, I mean, eight we'd eight be
0: sitting. Yeah, and we'd you know we'd do the occasional. You know, we'd do all the ones that you know. um uh, what's the one where they send the food with boxes to your house or, you know, whatever?
1: Oh, like HelloFresh.
0: Yeah. The, you know, the,
1: mattress, which, your, those, those which are from the company right. you pay. Correct. Once you hit a threshold, they just start dumping spots at you based on your demographics and your numbers. That's right. No, like, that's what I do now.
0: Right. So you'd sit there and you'd say, well, I, I don't, I, you know, and there was a battle that we fought really all the way through because they don't have, and I feel like they still don't have, by the way, dedicated salespeople. For podcasts, and I know you're working a podcast, obviously I have one. It's all I listen to. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't listen to sports talk radio. So, I mean, I listen to podcasts, guys my age and down, you're younger than me. That's what we listen to now. I mean, I know, you know, yeah. I mean, I understand I work for Undercom and there's a lot of radio stations, but that's what people listen to. And it's not, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to change, put it this way, the it, it's moving and it's not going to, it's not going to flip.
1: No, it's not going to flip. It's going to continue to head in this direction. The only way I see it possibly changing in the favor of radio is if the FCC kind of loosens up some of its regulations on language.
0: Yeah, maybe, I mean, but think
1: about it, right? You but listen he, to a podcast. That's more relating to you and your personal life, how you speak with your friends, true, than the kind of bullshit you hear on the radio.
0: No question. But I also do think like it's also a talent issue too. Though the radio hosts that are in there right now are not going to do. 12 hours dedicated on a murder or a trial. I mean, it, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, I think until you get a complete cleanse or flip or whatever, it's not going to change.
1: No, it, it's not going to change. They, they're slave to the individual day. What are we doing today? Right. Of-
0: Mookie Betts's contractor. Yeah. And I just, you know, and that's, as you know, I mean, we talked about it. I just wasn't interested in, in doing that anymore. And, and if people want to do that and they're passionate about it, that's that's totally fine by me. I just don't, well, I shouldn't say that. I'll make fun of them. But I, I don't, it's, I, I don't know. What was the, what was the, who was the, 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 the white whale we never landed for a guest? Who was the guy, who was the person I bitched about the most?
1: Well, I mean, you you wanted Stern. That was the uh, not Stern, uh, Springsteen, especially when he was in town at Gillette. We just
0: couldn't make it happen. Yeah, that seemed like a, that seemed like a tough. But I like maybe 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 you can maybe you'll disagree with this. I don't think, and I wasn't really like your boss. You were working for the afternoon show. Who, by the way, hated me. I hated them while you were working for me, which is an interesting dynamic. But yeah, made it fun <laughs> for me. A lot of fun for you. But I, was I? And you can. Tell me, but I don't think I was a slave-driving boss for you. I think I respected that you had 50 other things going on.
1: Yeah, and it, no, it, it wasn't an issue. The only issue would sometimes be, can I get a hold of you to get an answer on this while I'm, you know, while the iron's hot? Right. And then you were starting to go through the shit with your parents, and I was just like, I'm not going to bother him. Like, I'll, Oh, that's I'll, true, I'll get yeah. And if he's available, he's available, but I can't. I, he's going through serious shit here that's more important than this fucking podcast, so. Right. That that was frustrating to try and deal with, but it was completely understandable. But no, there was never an issue with you pushing too hard for something or you not understanding that sometimes when you're recording, I have to leave for a conference call. Right. It wasn't just that I was doing the afternoon show. I have to go to these stupid fucking meetings as
0: an executive producer. Right. That happened in the life of it as well. What I like, though, is you understood from the start, like, what... I wanted for the show, what the plan was, which is just shit I wanted to talk about. You know, I, we still deal with like, we'll get emails from people say, Hey, does Kirk want to talk to, you know, friggin' Nolan Ryan or just, you know, it's like, no, there's a book I read or a documentary I saw or a fucking whatever, an issue that I want to get into. And you knew that and you'd either come up with ideas or you'd, you know, you'd chase them down. Like, you know, whether it was whoever, uh, Artie Lang, who was, I'm guessing difficult to get on or, uh, you know, whoever it was.
1: Yeah, there were some interesting ones that were a little difficult to get on, but we also had a slight philosophical difference where I was looking at certain things like, if I could get the definitive Drew Bledsoe interview with him, that's a great promotion for this. People will start to tune in simply because they like Drew Bledsoe, and there's people out there that don't know who Kirk is yet. This is a great way to introduce those people to him. Right. And and you weren't quite as interested in doing that, and I was kind of strong about that, but that was the only philosophical difference we really had.
0: How did you book Lenny Dykstra? Through the book. Oh, through, through, yeah, the, through, the, through the publishing? The publicist okay. uh,
1: sent me an email, and we went back and forth, and we figured it out, and then we had fireworks.
0: How soon after that interview did they contact you, or did they?
1: They, I don't know if they did contact me after that or not. I don't think they ever did.
0: Oh, they didn't? How long was that interview? But I
1: actually book, I booked other people through the publicist. After? The same publicist.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. They right. didn't
1: have a problem. They knew Lenny was a psychopath.
0: How long was that interview? Like four minutes?
1: I think in the interview was about six minutes, the entire podcast was like maybe eighteen, but he just kind of going off afterwards. <laughs> I haven't listened to it in a long time. I haven't either that was absolutely the best episode.
0: Yeah, I like that one. I like the the uh, Kareem one as well.
1: that I, I thought it could have been better. he He was going to, I, no, but but we, I, but we
0: did the but we did the anatomy of a bad podcast, remember where we where we yeah. almost did like a director's cut of the shitty podcast and why it was so bad.
1: That was the one I was getting texts from people, random people saying, that was the coolest podcast I've ever listened
0: to. It was just a good idea. I don't know if it was yours or mine. We were just like, let's just talk about like, you know, this was a disaster as opposed to saying, hey, it was great We had cream on. It was a lot of fun. Be like, well, our audience doesn't fucking believe that. Like, let's be honest, you know?
1: No, that was your idea. That was all your idea. I, I didn't come up with that. It was a good idea. It was interesting. And it was fun. And it made that podcast 10 times better than what it would have been if it was just a straight interview. I don't...
0: I also think, and you understood this as well, while I was still at the station, like I got more and I think I remember Holly telling me this too, he got more feedback from that podcast than anything else he had done in a while. Like is if we did it right, and I thought all the the ones with the guys at the station were really good, like it was a great inner promotional tool that I wish it wasn't our I, I don't really think it was our fault. I wish the other shows and we had used better because it painted Dale. It painted Holly. Like, you had Holly talking about his mom, which was great. You had Dale talking about getting fu- I just felt like that was a, a much uh, – I, I don't like think the station handled that correctly.
1: No, they, well, they don't know how to do promotion. They don't really know how to do marketing very well. Um, though, it's funny. Those were actually some of the toughest interviews to book. Oh, I don't doubt it. The people that were in-house that could do it at any time – the toughest to book, and I had to work on convincing them for like a month at a
0: time just to get them to do it. Well, particularly Holly, right? I know he had told me that he just didn't want to do it.
1: Uh, yeah, he didn't really want to do it. Uh, I convinced him to finally do it, and I thought it came out well. Dale didn't really want to do it very much either, but I think he kind of saw that it was helping other people out too, and he was like, eh, whatever. What? Um, and then we had we had Kefon when he first came in. We had Kefon
0: when he first came in, and, and, it, and he was good. We had a good conversation, and I think it's the last time we ever spoke. And you were friends ever since. <laughs> You've been pals ever since. What do you have any, any regrets or no?
1: Uh, I regret never being able to land Brandy Love even though we were going back and forth a tough and one. And time again.
0: Well I you got sure. like you got like in this weird I remember you telling me you got in this weird like rabbit hole vortex of strange emails and is that right?
1: Phone call random phone calls while I'm at work from her.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> I think she wanted me to join
0: her swinger business. Yes. I think you would have done but well on
1: that. I regret the Lisa Ann interview didn't work out.
0: Oh, fuck. I for- totally forgot about that. That's a great one. You didn't want to
1: talk porn. It, like she only wanted to talk fantasy football. <laughs> bitch, you're known for taking humongous cocks. Like, that's what <laughs> we want to talk about.
0: I totally, if you hadn't mentioned that, I would have. So I remember you brought me, she. You booked it, right? like. Yeah. And it was a good idea because she had fucking like a million Twitter followers, right? Or whatever. And yeah, she
1: had a show at Sirius right, on the Radio. Right. And we were going to. Everyone like, knows who she
0: is. Right. We weren't going to sit there. I like, you know, we were going to sort of blend I tried to explain to her, I think, like, we're trying to do both here. Like, it's not, you know, we're not going to sit here and talk about porn the whole time, but it's sort of, you know, if um, Terry Hatcher had a fantasy football show, we'd talk about fucking Desperate Housewives for a minute, and then we'd get to the other stuff. You know, like <laughs> I that. I you are
1: going to talk about Superman. the
0: Yeah, Lois time. and Clark. You know what I mean? But, like, you can't, you can't just say, hey, here's Lisa Ann. Lisa, who should I start a running back this week? It's just fucking stupid.
1: Well, it's, it's ignorance on her part. We all know you from one thing porn right why and, don't you want to talk about the thing that made you famous yeah that's not that like, got you these other opportunities and what did you do like six months later you went back to porn yeah we had some oh is that right yeah
0: she looks awful uh, that's rough Pregnant um surgery not her friend um we had a couple that we wound up just bagging remember we we, we there
1: actually was few there's a couple of authors we just absolute bagged gammon's like it might be an interesting concept and it just
0: who happened. was who was it I'm trying to remember their names. We had Gammons, remember? We
1: were... Gammons was early, and then you were like, "Maybe we'll repurpose this for something." Yeah, it was just and we just never did. It, was, it wasn't
0: worth it. It was odd. You're right. We had a couple of authors that we used. It was actually a guy who, and we never ran it, and we should have because the book was pretty good. It was that guy. We should have run it. I, if we had it, I'd run it now. Even the guy who wrote the Racklin? yeah, that wasn't bad.
1: That that was one of those weird ones where you were super into it, and I had no context, no right. idea. But the story, like, I thought it was going to suck because the kid just, he was a mouse. He barely talked. Yeah, that's to what, right. Right, Really that's, quiet. Right. But that's the what story it
0: was. was weirdly compelling. The book is great, and I would like to, you know, but yes. But you know me, too. I'd get in the mood, and I'd be like, fuck it. Don't run it. And, like, you know, it was, there, yes, was, I know. there was all that. So what, so what is Ben Kitchen doing today, March 20th,
1: 2019? Uh, well, I do the podcast with Mikey, the Planet Mikey podcast, which is fun. And thanks to The Morning Show for giving us free publicity. Yes, I heard I about
0: that. that. I heard about that. A
1: bunch of brain surgeons. Um, and I do a lot of content creation for a marijuana marketing company. Oh, God.
0: What a marriage that is. What a perfect marriage that is. It couldn't be more boring, though. Is, oh, it's boring?
1: It's like doing beer content. It's the same thing.
0: So what are you looking to do? No,
1: no one really ca- What am I looking to do? Yeah. Outside of this, I'm just looking to continue to do projects like this, freelance, have fun. Not have to worry about being in the same place every single day that I don't really want to be at.
0: Why didn't you apply for the producer job for the Kirk Minahan show?
1: Uh, What are you paying?
0: No, it's done. We're hired. We already hired somebody. I'm saying, why didn't you apply at the time?
1: I don't really want to produce. Yeah, you know, if I'm if I'm doing stuff on radio or in podcasting, I want to be on air. That's the whole reason I got into the business. I backed into producing, and it hurt what I wanted to do in the business to begin with. So I don't really want to go back to that role that I didn't enjoy after
0: 10 years of doing it anyway. I listened to that, some of that Mikey one with Chad Finn the other day. I actually text, texted you about it. Mikey is still, yeah. man, is he still, is he that angry still? He's got a little bit of salt. I like making fun of him for it. I mean, does he really think that I got, like, I went into some, some executive's office and got, like, people fired and stuff?
1: That you'll have to
0: talk to him about. <laughs> I mean, I, I will cop completely the setting, like walking Mutt through that thing when he had to fight with him. I, I, I mean, no, obvi- obvious. Obviously, I have my fingerprints all over it. Mutt's not capable of, of those. I mean, I was essentially like. As, w- as we've learned. <laughs> nah, that's I true. I love Mutt, but. Oh, we all love Mutt. Everyone, by the way, everyone I'm says. good at this fighting part. Everyone starts a sentence with, I love Mutt. We all, we can move on. We all love Mutt. But I was was literally texting him lines, like, while it was, you know, it was like watching, uh, you know, friggin' broadcast news or something. But Mikey... Well, well, the behind the scenes of that whole thing was, Patty was on the board. He said, fuck this, I'm not dealing with it. Walks out.
1: Oh, really? And then all of a sudden, we're standing in there. I'm calling Kevin Graham, like, what do you want to do about this? He had no fucking clue. The program director had no clue that two of his on-air towns were ready to kill each other on air. He's like, they better stop doing this right now.
0: Yeah, God forbid. Who wants to hear that, right? Okay. I mean, you know, let's, let's get that, let's That's get that competence level I was dealing with. Let's get that freaking guy from the Sopranos on to the, you know, guy who sells, you know, frigging t-shirts. So uh, Mikey, so the podcast of Mikey is on what? Once a week? Yeah, once a week. We uh, drop right. Thursdays. Where do you get? Well, no, what's, what's it called? It's called the Planet Mikey Show. It's keep called, it simple. Keep it easy. Planet Bring Mikey Show.
1: Done.
0: Mikey prepared as always? Always
1: prepared. Writes <laughs> his notes on paper towels.
0: Who's on next week?
1: Uh, Mistress Carrie's coming in next week. And, or this week and then next week. I believe uh, I believe Mike wants to react to what Mutt and Reamer and Callahan said the other day.
0: Well, I am throwing my hat. Anytime I reach out to Mikey earlier in the week, he didn't answer my call. Anytime you guys want to have me on, I'm more than happy to come on and, and spar with Mikey. I owe him that at least. I'm willing to take you up on it. Sure. Let me. Where do you guys tape it? In Sudbury. In so it's S- not that far away. No, I can do that. Yeah, let me know if you want me on. Uh, so I'm game. Okay. So, uh, the, uh, the co-creator, the, the, the MVP of the, uh, enough about me first hundred episodes, who I, I, you produce probably what 70 of them, 60 of them.
1: Something, probably closer to fifty. You did a bunch after I left. You, you rattled through a shitload of mailbags after I left.
0: Yeah, that's that's literally called like I can't. I don't even, can't get a fucking guess. Nobody wants to be on with me. Let's just let's answer questions <laughs> about how great I am for to thirty minutes. That, that's but what you got left? Pontificate. What was the worst one that we did? What was the worst podcast? We, which was the worst episode we did? You know I love shit like that.
1: <sighs> there was a mailbag with Mutt that was really painful. Oh, that was, was a shit burger.
0: Oh test. my god, was that bad? But that's Mutt's fault. That's not our fault.
1: It's both of your faults. You chose to have him in there.
0: That's true. I chose to have him as my friend. you got to own that decision. Look at that, let me. The best, I think the best, I'm trying to think of the best one we did. I really liked the Kevin McHale one. That was a good one. Although, he, yes, that was a pretty good one. Also, I had Kate and Harry in there, which I liked. Um, yeah, but
1: I, I liked McHale being in there because you were a huge fan of that Celtics team. Who's not a huge fan of right. the Celtics team? That was and a pretty good one. You could have an interesting conversation with him.
0: It was so reliant, you know, as you know, it's so reliant on it. Like, you could tell right away, especially the ones you don't know. Like, if they're, you know, even like at the Coveny, he was a pretty good sport, you know? Like, if they yeah. were Artie, I, my favorite one's Artie, just because, you know, mm-hmm. it was, I love them But, like, you know, you could tell right away if they're going to be, you know, dicks or assholes. Or they understand it, they're on the joke. They're trying to promote. You know, I, I would say, as a huge Springsteen fan, I wanted to have Gary Talon on just because. I would say it's probably not the Mount Rushmore of good podcasts. That mm. probably wasn't that one was of a our tough ones because
1: I, I didn't, I had no context for it either as a listener. Right, but I didn't care. But, that hey, was to that was for Go back to your earlier question about the white whale, Fred yeah. Norris. Oh, Fred Norris, we yeah. never. You're right. Yeah, the Howard. That I, was the one I was trying really hard for, but could never figure out.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't. I can't remember a time he was ever interviewed. You know that. I've never heard I of him. wonder if he's just, like, he's probably smart. He's like, why even, like, what's the point? If I say something wrong, like, what's, what's you know, what's the point? I'm trying I'm to get Stuttering get John on right now. $5
1: million a year salary. True. I'm trying, get,
0: I'm trying to get Stuttering John on right now because he went off on Stern. Do you see this whole thing with the Wendy Williams and Stern had to take his audio down on Sirius? I'm trying to get him on right now, but, uh, but you know, but well, that would you, get You know he'll have fun ripping the shit out of Stern true.
1: 30
0: minutes. And we did That's have Artie and, ja- and Jackie on, so we did pretty well. Jackie was funny. Jackie Jackie was funny in terms of trying to book. No, I don't want to do it. All right, can you call me in 10 minutes? Oh, is that what it was? (laughs) Who was the biggest asshole you dealt with? Uh, Well,
1: outside of Lenny.
0: Mm. Outside of who? Jackie
1: was kind of, Jackie Jackie was an asshole. You say Lenny? I met him at a a comedy show. I went all the way to the comedy show to try and book him. Right. And he was just an asshole there, but I followed up anyway because I was like, fuck it, I want him on. Uh, He was a pain in the ass to deal with.
0: Did you say Lenny or no, other than Jackie?
1: No, Jack, Lenny's the nicest That's what I thought. I, was, I thought. I thought
0: said Lenny. I was like, what? That actually was a pretty good one, too.
1: Yeah, well, I, that was one of those fun ones where I couldn't be in the studio for. And, you know, you do your mic checks and everyone sounds good. I walk out of the studio and then he decides to fucking whisper.
0: That's true. You know, also was like that was Wolfie. Remember how bad he sounded?
1: Yeah, because you'd think a guy who was in radio for 25 years would know how to talk into a microphone instead of leaning all the way back in his chair.
0: Well, he also hired Mike Salk, so, you know, we don't need to, you know, talk about somebody with a high level of intelligence.
1: That's what you should get on your new show, right there. Oh, Mike That's Salk? One. Mike Salk. Oh,
0: fuck yeah! I would do that. I, I don't think he doesn't strike me as particularly playful. I could be wrong. No, and I he might still think you're an anti-Semite. I will remember that. Didn't he go to management and say that Jerry and I are anti-Semitic?
1: He said it to me, and to i was you. like, they like me. I'm Jewish.
0: <laughs> no, we you know what I'm anti shit radio. That's what I was anti, and you fucking you were the friggin' you know the friggin' uh, you know uh, whatever fucking Michael Jordan of shit radio. Alright, yes. I, I gotta go tape another one So, uh, let me tell you something I, I thank you for your service I'm sorry that we have fallen out of favor I would like that to end If you'd like to If not, that's fine I love you I appreciate the help you, you gave me uh, and, and give Mikey a hug for me And I, I'm ta- I'll, I'll come on any time I'll give him a hug and kiss for you And
1: pass that message along All
0: right, I'll talk to you soon I am eternally grateful for uh, helping me with this stuff I really appreciate it
1: Well, thanks for the opportunity, bud I appreciate it And uh, it was fun while it lasted
0: Okay, and you love me too